Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for tech professionals. We work to simplify your finances so that you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burkwell and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. Allow me to introduce my co-host, Alexander. I just got back from Canada, Collins. Thank you, Ryan. How was, how was Canada, by the way? Whistler was awesome. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. No smoke this year. Got a chance to get up on the mountain. Got a chance to get in the pool with my, my daughter. Amazing trip. Nice. Very nice. Well, welcome back. Um, I did not miss you at all. It was actually a nice vacation for me, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> So in our last podcast, we were talking about uh, intro to investing, and we brought up standard deviation uh, and what we defined as risk units, if you will, in your portfolio. And so what I thought we'd talk about today is going just a tad bit deeper in the, in the standard deviation, really put some numbers behind what we mean by risk units. And we're going to use just a simple, simplified, if I could speak, simplified version of finance portfolio and we're just going to take the S&P 500. Okay. Great. And then we're going to take that to a real world example and kind of tie the two together uh, because as we said, emotions are the biggest thing when we're talking about investing. And it's very easy as a 25 year old to say, Oh, I'm in it for the long haul. And it might actually be easier to be fair. But at some point you turn 45 or 50 or 55, then that, that same mindset changes a bit and it doesn't hold true, which is really where a lot of the, let's just say hiccups occur in our personal portfolios. Well, and even more than that, it really just depends on how much coaching someone has. I, I mean, we're recording this at a time when, you know, the market just went through a bit of a uh, volatility between when we recorded our last podcast and, and today. And there were, you know, one or two clients that I've gotten phone calls from over the last week. And ironically, the folks that were more concerned about it were the younger folks that have a ton of time. And so we simply had a conversation around, you know, Hey, we've got a lot of time before we need this money. Yes, we care what the market's doing. And at the same time, we don't want to massively change the direction that we're going based on emotion, based on the news of today without thinking about it from a long-term standpoint. Yeah, that's a fair, a fair statement. Um, millennials are definitely, I mean, if you read the news, if you will, they, the news is stating that millennials are more scared of the market than probably a lot of other generations prior to them. And that's because they've seen what their parents have gone through and the roller coaster ride that occurred in 08, even though they may have not experienced it, they still witnessed it through their parents' eyes. Well, and they, they felt it in what it did to the job market and what it did to the economy. Right, finding a job right after that, I'm sure was not the easiest compared to, you know, you and I, where, you know, I got out of college and if I could fog a mirror, I was getting a position. So I don't know if that says much about me, but. <laughs> So, so standard deviation, Alex, let's, let's get back on, on, on course here. 
as we said, it's risk units and you can take a deviation out to several different deviations, your first deviation, your second and your third. In the profile that we're looking at, we're taking it out to the third deviation. Let, let me take a step back. The, the first deviation means that. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Let's, one, let's define deviation. Yeah. Two thirds of the time. I mean, this is on a, the standard bell curve. Two thirds of the time, the results are going to be between whatever our average is and then plus or minus that deviation. So when we're talking about the S&P 500, we're talking about roughly a 10% rate of return over the last almost 100 years now. And, and that's and that's what a lot of people hear about in the market is that 10% rate of return. And it's really based on the S&P 500, what it's done since like 1928 until correct. this point. So it's the average across the board, gross of fees, gross of taxes, so you may not experience a full 10%, but that's what they're talking about in regards to that when you when you hear uh, media speaking into that 10% rule of thumb almost. Yeah, and the other thing is that that assumes perfect behavior. It assumes that we don't allow emotions to dictate our decisions. And, and then plus or minus, you know, about 16%. So what that means is that Two thirds of the time, we're going to be between negative six and positive twenty six. Now, what that means is now break that down numbers wise. So let's use a two million dollar portfolio, right? So if you started with two million dollars, what is that? What do you have to be okay with? What do you have to be okay with your portfolio going down, and the opportunity, obviously, which is why we're investing in the market. Yeah, good, good, good question, Ryan. So we'd be potentially opening ourselves up to a loss of $125,000 for the potential gain of a little over $500,000. Now, like I said, that's only two thirds of the time. So the probability is a little bit over 66, well, 67% of the time. So probability, we're still on like almost oh, yeah. 40% of the time. We're outside of that. We're outside of that. Exactly. And now when we go to a second standard deviation, that puts us at a 95% probability. And what that does is that puts us down to the potential of losing a little over 23%, meaning that we'd be down almost to about $1.5 million with the possibility of gaining about 875,000. Now, we've actually experienced two situations where we've been beyond a second deviation, 2000 through 2002, and then again in 2008. And that perfectly explains why the millennials are so afraid of the market, which is our third deviation, which probability wise is now more 99% probability, still not at 100%, but pretty darn close, right? Pretty darn close. And we've experienced two of those events in the last 20 years. Statistical anomaly, maybe, but it's also one of those things where the market is not a perfect bell curve. And so understanding how these things are created and, and understanding uh, some of the math behind it is, is important. But if we go out to a third standard deviation, 
That means in any one given year from a $2 million portfolio, we need to be okay with the potential that we might lose $800,000. $800,000. Now put that into perspective when you're getting closer to retirement, or even if you're not, right? You still have to swallow a loss of $800,000 if you sell, of course, right? So right. Th that's that's the aspect. That's the emotional side that we're talking about here. And what we're, what we're really trying to bring to light is understanding what risk you're, you're truly taking and what the quote unquote reward or rate of return that you're trying to get inside of that portfolio. So oftentimes we're seeing a higher risk and not getting the award that you thought your, your portfolio was supposed to get right. or trying to get. Yeah. The, the upside would be growing the portfolio from $2 million up to 3.2 million. Now, again, as you pointed out earlier, that's before taxes, that's before fees, etc. And so like, the thing to understand is that even if you're 50 and you've got 10 to 15 years before retirement, seeing your portfolio go from $2 million down to 1.2, that is a bitter pill to swallow. And it, it is incredibly tough emotionally to say, yes, I understand the right thing to do is to hold and to keep letting it go. Like 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002 was actually more challenging than 2008. Right. It wasn't a one-year occurrence. You had to hold tight for three years. Right. Whereas 08, that was really about a year and a half. It was a huge hit, right? It was negative 30 plus percent in some portfolios or even more, but you still you still started to see that money come back within a year or a little bit over a year, whereas 2000, 2001, 2002, imagine having maybe not as big of a hit, but having to see the negative number repeatedly back to back to back. And that's what we're talking about from an emotional standpoint, how difficult it can be. And I think even myself included, kind of gets lost in that that mentality and Alex I'm sure you do too you know we look at our our own personal finances and obviously our clients finances and to see them go down right but our job is to bring that emotional intelligence and remind them hey remember this is stay the course this isn't going in and out yeah because if you did go out like let's take that example the third deviation here your your portfolio goes down to 1.2 from 2 million that's $800,000 loss if you go to, let's go to the extreme, you go to cash, like you just sell, you go straight to cash. When do you get back into the market? Yeah, you've usually lost out on the vast majority of the, the bounce back, if you will, when that occurs. And we're talking about days, right? When, we, when we're analyzing the, the best days in a given year, if you miss just one of those days in a given year, that's huge amounts of money that you've lost inside of that portfolio. So how do you know what day is the day to get back into the market? Right. Yeah. And I mean, just doing some quick math, if you were to throw it into a, like a, a portfolio generating 3%, you know, call it a, a fixed income or a bond portfolio that is, you know, at this point, reasonably long-term, like it would take you 24 years to double your money to get, back up over the, the, you know, to get to $2.4 million, you know, if you move to 
to fixed income from the S&P 500 at the end of a third deviation drop. So, I mean, it's brutal. And just to give you folks at home, Ryan and I, like, we manage our own money as well. And I'll, I'll speak for myself here, but as much as I know the market and as comfortable as I am with the market, and as much as I know that in the long term, the market is going to generate a roughly a 10% average rate of return, even I don't have the stomach to put everything into stocks. You know, I'm somewhere between 85 and 90% stocks in my portfolio. But at the same time, you know, having dollars out of the market that you can get access to without having to worry about what happened last week, what the president tweeted, what trade wars going on, what news just occurred. Man, that's a massive amount of peace of mind. Yeah, the amount of news that gets put out nowadays affects the market extremely quickly, which makes it probably a lot more difficult because you the, it hits the market so quick, you can literally see day of your portfolio go down or up. A minute of. Right. So so let's let's tie this to real world example. And we already kind of brought this up. You know, just in the last month, it, we pulled up the S&P 500 here. Um, it's it's had a little bit of a roller coaster ride here. And, you know, a lot of it had to do with those events you just brought up, the, the trade wars and, and everything that's going on there. So let's let's briefly talk about that. Right. So we've gotten a couple phone calls from clients around, hey, the, the market and what our thoughts are. So again, behavior, intelligence. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean, it's normal and natural human behavior when the market drops. And, and just so we're clear, I mean, the market uh, went from you know a high of just over three thousand uh, at the end of July to on August fifth getting down to like twenty eight and change. So a drop of of almost six percent. In a matter of less than a week, right, right after news came out about um, the the interest rates, right, the Fed pulling back on the interest rates, and then followed that up with the announcement around the the trade tariffs, and literally within minutes, your portfolio, ding, 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 right. right. It remind, I'm sure it reminded people of you know, some of the blips that we've had over the last couple of years. But I mean, for to a large extent, we really haven't seen massive pullbacks in the market, you know, since 08. I mean, there were a couple blips there in, you know, 2011. We hit a couple blips uh, last year, a couple well, even blips at the end of year. last year, right? Like the end of last year essentially erased all of the return. Yeah. Right. And then we've done a great job so far this year. And, and and so not we, but the market has done a great job so far this year. And we saw a little bit of a blip there. And I mean, it, it, I mean, all of the news channels jumped on it, which plays into our emotions. So I try to stay away from this, but I, I got to bring it up because it, it irks me personally a lot because I'll get phone calls from family members and it's all <laughs> about what their news media resource has reported. And I have to remind them, do you think that the news media might play into your emotions so that you watch their channel just a tad bit longer? Yeah. I mean, the, it's not that they're spewing wrong information necessarily, although sometimes it's 
misinformation or maybe not all of the information is given. Let's say it that way. Sure. But it's more of they want eyeballs. Yeah. So they're going to pretend the world is ending (laughs) when the market goes down 100 points just to capture your eyeballs. uh, Correct. And... You know, when you're talking about the market, you were talking about the S&P 500. Obviously, the Dow is another reported index. Right, that, right. I mean, that was fluctuating more than a couple hundred points, but mostly because it's, you know, a factor of 10 bigger in terms of the number. And I mean, it's just one of those things where understanding how media operates these days, it's all about number of eyeballs. It's all about advertising dollars and what they're really after is pulling at those emotional heartstrings, whether it's fear, greed, or the human interest stories. Those are really the only things that that we see on the news is either everything is awesome. Oh my God, the world is ending. Right. Like the Dow broke a record. Right. Right. And they were blasting that like, Oh, if you're not in the market, you've missed the boat. And, And it was like, you know, God's gift to us to, the world is collapsing. Everyone sell and go live in a cave. And now here's some fluffy kitties. Right. So, all right. I, I think we're beating this horse that we may have rolled it over and kicked it again. But <laughs> that's the point that we're talking into around emotional behavior and making sure you've got someone to speak to that has that emotion side out and looking at the end in mind and looking at holding to the strategy is a key piece here. So the two action items from today's podcast, Alex, is for one, understand what risk profile you actually have inside of your portfolio, right? So make sure you understand, however you're allocated, you have to be okay with losing X amount of dollars with the possibility of gaining Y amount of dollars. And then the second piece that we're continuing to drive home is, the market's gonna go up and down, the media is gonna say what they're gonna say, and holding strategy is what you need to do to make sure that you end up where you wanted to end up. Yeah, 100%, Ryan. And, and the, the thing to, to take away from here is to get, gauge in, and, and get an understanding of not I – mean, we're not trying to scare people with what the market's going to do fluctuating up and down. We're trying to make sure that you understand – it's, impro- it's important to make sure that you are properly allocated between fixed income and stocks or equities so that when the market goes through the roof, you've got some of that and you're able to participate it, participate in that growth. And when the, the bottom falls out of it, it's not just free fall and it doesn't break your ability to stay with the plant. We're not necessarily suggesting 100% equities. In fact, we're 100% not saying that 100% equities is the right way to go. But it's making sure that you understand what those thresholds are for you as an individual investor. And if you've got $10,000 invested versus a million dollars invested, that might make a little bit of a difference too. Think about it from a standpoint of, okay, hey, I've got X number of dollars here. With this type of a portfolio, here is my downside. Am I okay with that? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, then you need to change the portfolio to something that's more 
conservative. You know, the other thing that we haven't talked a whole lot about is investing in one concept like the S&P 500 is not going to be the most efficient and effective way of doing it. We can oftentimes mix asset classes together and get a similar rate of return and take less risk. Right. So I want to make sure we're making this crystal clear. We are not suggesting that all of your money should be in the S&P 500. As Alex just said, that was just the example for today's conversation. That's the, the benchmark or baseline we are trying to present on. So thanks for that, Alex. If I could make one or actually maybe two more requests uh, from the listeners. For one, if you all are enjoying this podcast, please hop on iTunes or Google or wherever you're listening and write a review and give us a rating. We would truly appreciate that. And then secondly, if you go to beerandmoney.net, at the bottom of that page, there is a, a, question, a question that says, hey, is there a question on the podcast you would like for us to discuss? Uh, and please uh, fill that out and ask that question, and we will possibly start chatting about uh, that question on the podcast. The uh, Just so you're aware, the beerandmoney.net will send you back to, to our website, so it's not hosted on the Beer and Money. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's just the, uh, the, link. Uh, the link. So have a good rest of your day, and as always, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-85429, expiration 09-2021.